The power of God's Word to transform lives. We're going to need the kids. We're going to talk about it in terms that kids can understand, but pay close attention because this is for you as well. So come on up, see the kids. I know we're short a few today, but we're going to have some fun. How are you guys doing? Look! How are you doing, Noah? Good to see you. It's good to see the Van Overbeck family. Travis is back. Woo! Safe and sound. He summited, for those of you that didn't know, he summited Mount Everest this last week. And that was the seventh of the seven highest peaks on seven continents that I believe less than 500 people have ever done. And so Travis is our local celebrity. He was on uh, King 5 News, and, and they interviewed him a little bit. But we prayed for his journey. We prayed that he would be successful, and we prayed he would return safely home. And God has answered our prayers, so it's so good to see you guys back. And then we had uh, our birthday girl this week, too. Um, Carol Heinrichs turned 80, so congratulate her. Yeah. Okay, so how are you guys doing? I know you guys were, a couple of you guys were gone, and we missed you at Kids Jam. It just wasn't the same without you, so we're glad you're back. Okay, so everyone can see. Why don't you guys take a couple steps back and sit down? Yeah, and we, we can talk about stuff. <clears throat> I had to choreograph this one a little bit, so hopefully this, I can pull this all off. <sighs> This was me, long time ago, the old me, and I was lost. You know, that's how all of us start, and we don't know Christ yet, and we're lost, and, and then sometimes we, the Bible tells us that most of the time, or maybe never, do people actually go looking for God on their own, but that's what we needed. Right? We needed Jesus in order to be saved. And, and so, so this was the, the, old, the old me. And here's what I wanted. This is what I wanted. I wanted the new me, but it, was, it needed to be saved by Jesus, right? And so do you think, you know, if, if I wanted to be hooked to Jesus, I couldn't do it on my own. And sometimes, sometimes we think we got to, fix ourselves first in order, in order for Jesus to want us. But that's not true. So I wanted to be hooked to Jesus. And so I thought, okay, I can work this on my own. And if I can just get this all connected up, maybe I could find, oh, I don't know. I'm having a, you think this is going to work? Is, 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 this, is this me trying on my own? To get linked up with Jesus, I don't think it's working. What, what am I missing? What am I missing? Ah, oh, we need some power. Yeah. Does it look like this? And does it say God's Word and the Holy Spirit? You think I need that? I, th I think I do. I, 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 in fact, I think I would be here with this thing trying to connect myself with Jesus for the rest of the day, maybe the rest of my life, because without the power of God's Holy Spirit through His Word, 
we're never going to find Jesus on our own, and we're never going to be able to stay hooked up with Jesus and be saved. And so, when we put the power... Yeah, <laughs> this could get noisy. That's what, my, my grandson does the same thing, man. He knows as soon as we're going to flush the toilet, he puts his hands up over his ears. Okay, here we go. It's really not that noisy. Oh, it's kind of noisy. All right. So when I have the power of God's Word through the Holy Spirit that God puts in me, then do you think I'm hooked up with Jesus pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Now Jesus saved me, but here's kind of a problem. Jesus saved me, but you know what? I'm still sinning sometimes because the old me is still there. Yeah, sometimes the old me is still there and I want to get rid of it. And so I think, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being the old me. I want to be the new me all the time. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try to fix this some more. No, no. Because what I really want to be is changed, right? But this is what happens. This is me trying to change. I don't want to be sinful anymore because I'm saved. But I want to be more like Jesus. That's what he wants for me too. And every time I try it using my own stuff, it doesn't work, does it? Because I need the same power that saved me through Jesus to change me, to be like Jesus. And so we need this again, don't we? We need the Holy Spirit and we need the God's Word both to be saved but also to be changed. How many of you would like to be changed? Yeah, yeah. Number one, you're, you're all going to get bigger. Um, I'm, I'm done getting bigger, but you're going to be changed and now, now we want to be changed but not any old way. Being changed to be bigger is good. But I want to be changed to be more like Jesus because he knows that that's where I'm going to find joy in my life. We want joy in our lives, don't we? Yeah. Okay, so we got to connect this thing up and plug your ears, um, and we'll see if the Holy Spirit can change us to be like Jesus. All right, this is where we want to end up, right? Changed to be the new me and saved by Jesus. In order to do that, we got to have this power. Most of us try to do it on our own, both to get saved and to be changed. And just like this, without any power, it's never going to work. We always have to rely on the power of God. And he puts that power in his word. What do we call his word? You guys know. Bible. The Bible. And it is a lamp. Say it louder. Lamp. Amen. Thank you so much. Truth is, these guys probably know more scriptures by heart than you do. They're amazing on Wednesday nights. They can just go right through them now. It's, it's pretty cool. 
How many of you believe this is true? That God's word has the power to transform lives. I'm going to actually try to stick to my sermon today. Um, I think this is true because the Bible says it's true. And you say, well, how can the Bible prove itself? Well, um, it's all I know. I believe that the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can change your life. And it certainly changed mine. And it can change your life in two ways. And we talked about that. And I know I'm a little bit of a broken record on this. It changed your life, if you are a believer, from being an object of God's wrath to an object of God's love and mercy and grace. And that was a major transformation. And we're going to talk about that, that that really was God. Now, we prayed back here before, and, and my prayer was this, and I've been praying this all week. Um, we're weak. We're broken. We're sinful. We're not very faithful some of the time, and we're not very reliable a lot of the time. But God. When you go home, there's some things I want you to take with you, but this is going to be one of the major ones, but God. Because I think we're going to see that the entire process of being transformed, and I hope you do really want to be transformed. I mean, if you're here, and I know most of you, and a lot of you are believers, if not all of you that are here, and so you were transformed by God, but it was by God. If you think you can take the screw gun with no battery and find Jesus, good luck. Maybe you even thought that, but that's not what the Word says. So if you're a believer, you were transformed from an object of God's wrath to an object of God's love, mercy, and grace, and now you are a child of God. And you heard that message somehow. Somehow, that's how God does this. He has a Word. He, he communicates the thoughts and the intents of his purpose to us through words. And, and so those words, given the power of the Holy Spirit, have transformed your heart and mind so that you could accept Jesus if you're a believer. But then there's the other transformation that continues to take place as we are transformed from this brokenness to be more like Jesus. And so we're here and... I, I, I got to keep mentioning you all the time. We, 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 Tim, when you're preaching, this is how it starts, with the Word of God. Why is that? Because, Tim, you can't transform people's lives. I don't care how charismatic you might be or how, what a great guy or friendly or anything. There's no power in what you have to say. The power to transform people's lives is from the Word. So the first things is turn with me in your Bible or, in this case, open your phone or look at the screen. But it's the same because we're still relying on the Word of God to do the changing in our hearts and minds and in our behaviors instead of trying to do it ourselves in our own power. So if you're going to get something from today, I hope you get this, the power of God's Word to transform lives. 
Okay, and, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, I believe we, we needed that, and, and that the, the, the John, Peter, in, in the book of John, I think it's chapter 6, um, Jesus had just given this uh, talk, and it was really offensive to people, and, and the, uh, the crowds were leaving, because I think he said something about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and, oh, what are you talking about? That's ucky. Go away. And so he asked the disciples, um, well, how about you guys? Are you going to stick around or what? And, and Peter says, where can we go? You have the very words of life. This is the very words of life. The, the reason that we preach from the Bible here is because it's the very words of life, both for salvation and for transformation. There's no point of getting away from it. Everything that we do here when we get together, we get together as men on Saturday morning. Uh, and any of you that are out there that are men, you're welcome to come on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And guess what happens? We fellowship, yes. We eat some food, which is very much the same every week. Um, but we talk about the Bible, because we're there to be transformed. And I believe God gave us these things, these four things, the Holy Spirit, His Word, one another, and trials for the purpose of transforming us after we become believers into the image of Christ. But all of that starts with His Holy Spirit and the Word. That's how we know who God is. That's how we know what God wants that's how we can be transformed. We're going to see the Bible itself tells us it's not just words on a page. There's something supernatural about it. So we're going to look at that and what does the Scripture say about the Scripture. But then we're also going to have to understand if that battery is sitting on the shelf, the drill gun's never going to work. It may be there and it may be fully charged. And it may be capable of driving screws one after another most of the day. But if it's sitting on the shelf, it does no good. And the Bible is going to be the same way. It's powerful. It's been anointed by God. It's been inspired by God. And the only way it's going to transform your life is when you spend time in it. Now, there's different ways. This is, this is kind of one of those ways. If, if I, as a human being, stick to the Word of God, I can speak the Word of God to you. But then you have to spend some time in it. And you, have to, you have to meditate on it. You have to pray over it. You have to actually study it to find out the truth that's in there. That's part of being transformed. So that's going to be part of today's sermon. We'll see how that part goes. <clears throat> Before we get into this, because this is what the Bible says about itself. <clears throat> I would say, in order for the Word of God to transform you, what would need to, it to be? What would it need to be? Let's just say, here's the Bible. If I had my actual paper Bible, I have my on my phone most of the time now. So I could hold my phone up, but it wouldn't be as meaningful. Let's just say I'm holding a Bible. What would that need to be to do what I, what I say and what God says it will do? have to be perfect. It should be true. We believe, as we go back to our first point of our statement of faith, we believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only, infallible, meaning it cannot fail. Infallible and an error are two different things. Infallibility means there's no possibility of it having an error. Inerrant means it has no errors, and it's both. 
So it is the infallible and authoritative, authoritative meaning it is the all authority, the final authority for all faith and practice so that we rely upon it and it is always reliable. Because if it isn't those things, then it's not going to be transforming. And so that is critical that you believe that. And why do I say that? As I was going through the study for this passage, and I saw how important it was for the infallibility of Scripture, I, I, I know that that is not a commonly held thing in Christianity, more so than you might believe. And so I had gone to the all-wise internet, the Google, and I, I said, uh, I typed in, what percentage of Christians believe the Bible is infallible? And so I got a number of responses, and there's a, 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 an organization called the Barna, I think it's Barna Institute, and they do all these, po- I guess they got nothing better to do than ask people questions, and, but they compile them all and then sell them, I'm sure, somehow, to make money, but they had this poll that they had taken, and actually it was kind of interesting, post-pandemic, the study was taken, or the survey was taken in 2022, early 2022, there was an, an enormous increase in the interest by Americans in Scripture. You think maybe they're looking for an answer after they suffered a little bit of uh, chaos in their life for a while? So that was kind of encouraging, that more people are interested in the Bible. And in fact, it said a high percentage of Americans believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Now, there wasn't a lot of extra questions there that I could see answers to, because a lot of the the things is, yeah, we we recognize the Bible is mostly true, but when it comes to things regarding salvation, but, you know, as far as science and history, I don't really believe that God flooded the earth and built a boat and put all the animals in there. Nobody can really believe that. But, but when it comes to salvation stuff, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Um, so I don't know what that meant when they said 55% of Americans believe that, that the Bible was the word of, word of God and were interested in it. But then they surveyed Christians, I guess, And they surveyed the five major denominations in the United States, Episcopalians, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, and Baptists. Um, First of all, if you you look at Christianity in the culture, you'll, you'll, you'll know that every single one of those denominations have had a segment of it branch off into progressive Christianity and liberalism, 55% of Americans think the Bible is the word of God, 95% of Episcopalians, 87% of Methodists, 82% of Presbyterians, 77% of Lutherans, and 67% of Baptists don't believe the Bible is perfect. They don't believe it is inerrant. So within Christianity, (laughs) we have less belief in Scripture than, than, than the pagans. So I'm warning you. One of my jobs as your under-shepherd is to warn you. 
This is happening within Christianity, that we're losing our grip on the inerrancy of Scripture as a final authority, and we are compromising the truth of the Word of God to satisfy the culture. And if you start down that slope, there is no end. If you can't believe that all of the Bible is inspired by God and true, then what parts of it can you rely on to be true? You can see where that is headed. And so starting with this, that we believe as Christians that the Bible is the inspired, only infallible, authoritative Word of God. We preached a sermon on that back a couple months ago. But, but you need to have that firmly embedded in your mind and never, ever compromise the infallibility of Scripture. And you think some scientific thing is going to come along and disprove that something in the Bible was, was, is wrong. Now, now, we have to recognize that that statement is true in its original manuscripts. Now, because there are some things that men did and they tried to translate it. We're, most of us, unless you're way smarter than me, are probably not reading a Greek Bible, but we are reading it in English and it was translated from its original manuscripts and, and down through this, the ages. And, but God was in charge of that process as well. But you'll see you get different translations and they'll be a little bit different, but we have to rely on the infallibility of Scripture because I'm going to tell you, if it is not, then I don't believe it has the power to transform you. And since I know that it transformed me, I believe that it's, that it's inerrant. And it's the inspired Word of God. In fact, it says here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correcting, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. You know what the word for that Greek word is? Perfect. Equipped for every good work. And so I understand that God is telling me, I'm giving you this. It is from me. It is my mind, my heart, my spirit coming from me to you through words. And it can help you to teach Reprove, correct, and train yourself. Transforming you from something that was not as righteous to something more righteous because I am doing it as God through my word. That you may be complete. Complete where you find that place where you're transformed to the image of Christ, where that joy is at in life. And so that you will be equipped to do the things that God has already ordained for you to do. You've been saved by grace through faith, but into the family of God to do the work of the ministry. In order to do that, I need to be changed by the Word of God so that I can be equipped to do and carry out those things that God has in His mind for my life. That's transforming transformed from a broken, useless vessel that I was into something that God could use comes by the transforming power of God's Word. There are five points to the sermon. I know, no mercy today. We're having potluck, so if it's a little late, sorry. Um, you'll just have to wait a little bit for the food. Um, but in... in 
we're going to be looking at first or first Thessalonians two thirteen through sixteen. So we're going to have John come read that. Um, this on? It is. First Thess- Thessalonians two thirteen through sixteen, and we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Thank you, John. So those were just words. They were on a page. That was the word of God. God was speaking to you. Yeah, how many of you have ever thought, gosh, I wish God would just speak to me more? And he's as close as your Bible. Those were the words of God, and they are transforming. And so we're going to look at five points in there. One, in that particular passage in verse 13, you're going to find out about, I think, four, four of the five points, or maybe all five, are in verse 13. This could have been a one-verse sermon. I didn't want to scare you, though, and think we were going to be in Thessalonians for the rest of your life. So I actually tagged a few. We're going to talk about the end, but most of it is in verse 13. Verse 13 is like a mine, a gold mine. I mean, you, 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 I, I thought, what am I going to preach about this, this week? And, and I, so I thought, man, there, there's not a whole lot in here. I'm going to have to probably do at least to the end of the chapter or maybe longer. And then I started focusing in and reading on it and looking up all the Greek words and stuff. And, man, verse 13. And so the, the sermon kept getting as far as the passage was concerned. Until <laughs> I, actually I could easily preach all day on verse 13. Because it is packed like God's word. And sometimes you have to get in there and mine it out. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to mine out verse 13 and then see how it relates to the change and how it's work, how the word was working in the lives of the Thessalonians in verses 14, 15, and 16. Okay, so we're going to talk about Paul starting out acknowledging that it's God doing the work in the people and God is the one who allowed them to receive the word as, as the word of God that it wasn't him, and then we're going to look at that it was men preaching to men, using the Word of God. You know, you are involved in this process. This is a process of God bringing people to salvation, but it's also taking saved people and transforming them, and it is a process, and it involves the power that God puts in His Word and the Holy Spirit that takes that Word and applies it to your life and helps you to understand what it says and opens your heart and opens your mind to see God's Word and its truth and how it can change you from being unsaved to saved and being saved to more like Jesus. And so we're going to look at that. How did that happen in this process? So first, men got involved, and and it was with the Word of God. So he he didn't say, and and gosh, I'm thanking God that I came and I had this 
really cool trickery kind of message that gathered people's attention in. And sure enough, they came. He didn't say that. He said, no, I spoke. And what I spoke was the word of God. Now, I can't do what Paul did. Um, nobody is going to take anything I say and write an additional book of Scripture. But Paul knew. Paul knew that the words he was speaking, and some of the things, he was going back in his lessons and teaching them. He was going back to the Old Testament, see it lots of times, where he's, where he's telling them this is what was going to happen, and here is the fulfillment of that, the Old Covenant, and here's Jesus, and that Jesus you killed, and, but he's the Savior. And so he takes the old, and, but, but when he's talking about it, they're accepting it as the word of God. But he recognizes that's not because of me, but God. But God took the words that God gave Paul, and he used them to transform the lives of the Thessalonians. And so words are involved. And, and I don't know how you came to faith, but I sat in a church just like this one, and I heard messages, and I had Sunday school teachers, and I had VBS teachers, and I, and I, I, you know, I, I came to Christ at 12, but, but I had been prepped since I was a little fella, and, and I couldn't even read it, and, and I had Mrs. Phillips in vacation Bible school telling me about Jesus when I was four and five and six years old, and I heard the words. And I didn't understand all it meant, but, but some person took the words of God and spoke them into my life, and they changed me. And so we know that, that men are involved, and so Paul uses it and says, yeah, we're, we, we were the ones that were the, 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 the transmitters. But then the word has to be received and believed by men. He came into Thessalonica and it was a bunch of pagans and they were worshiping idols and it was very ungodly and he has this radical message and you think that's going to play on its own? Huh? Stop, give up everything you've got, love other people sacrificially, find salvation in this guy that they killed and threw in a tomb who rose again. You think that's going to play there on its own? No. It transformed the lives of those. We're going to see that. It transformed the lives of those people that they left the lifestyle they were in and they joined the way and everybody around them hated them for it and they hung in there anyway because that's the power of the transforming nature of the truth of God. They were changed. And he was only there maybe three or six months and they were changed, and their reputation was spreading throughout the world. How changed they were in such a short time. You think, you think our world is bad. It is. But that world was idol worshipers and sexually promiscuous. There were unbelievably pagan things going on in this region of the world. And these were not even Jews for the most part. The Jews had run Paul out of town the last time he was there. And they were looking to get him again. And they were persecuting people in the Jewish section who were starting to worship Christ. And so most of the church in Thessalonica was, was Gentiles. And the Gentiles, as it's going to say here in verses 14, 15, and 16, they were starting to get the same level of persecution that the Jews had gotten in Jerusalem. And so this was a massive change. And Paul's going to tell us 
It's the power of God doing it. And the rest of Scripture is going to tell us, and we're going to look at some of those. And then he says it was indeed the Word of God and what that meant. And then the last point, how it worked in the lives of the Thessalonians and in our lives, both to save us and transform us. So, oops. so here we are in verse 13. Oops. There we go. And we also thank God constantly for this. And we also thank God constantly for this. What is the this? What is the this? And who is he thanking? The this, he goes on to tell us, that when you received the word of God, which they spoke, which you heard from us, so we thank God knowing that it wasn't us that's doing the work, but it was you, God. We thank you. It's the same way back, if you remember, back in chapter 1, verse 2, when he was thanking God for the things that he was hearing about the Thessalonican church. Recognizing that, no, it wasn't Paul's work that did this. It was God, and so he thanks God again for the work that he did when he took Paul's words, inspired by God, gave it to the Thessalonians, and he was thanking God because he recognizes that the change was not brought about by him, but by God and his Holy Spirit. And so we see um, <clears throat> yes, I guess I didn't have that on the slide. Back to my prayer, but God, and my point that we have to recognize that everything about your salvation and your transformation or what we call sanctification, big, big words, churchy words, is done by God. There's a little bit of a, of a part you play as you surrender to God, but recognize, just like the, the object lesson, that if you're trying to get saved on your own, never going to work. If you're saved already and you're trying to fix yourself, never going to work on your own. And we recognize that that's true uh, that, that that power has to come from God. And so Philippians 2.13 says, uh, God who works both in you to will and to work for his good pleasure, it is not you doing it. It is God working in you. Quit trying to fix yourself. And if you're out there and you're, maybe you're out there on the internet audience, if you're trying to save yourself, what are you going to do? Just exactly how are you going to make yourself acceptable to God? Just exactly how are you going to fix yourself? How many of you have tried on your own? Absolutely, probably the worst offender in the room is me. A-type personality, very driven. I can do this. God, you saved me. Thank you very much. I think I can take it from here. I'm very dedicated. I, I got a lot of resolve. You know, absolutely failed. Totally failed. Over and over and again, frustrated, God, why can't I be any better? Why do I keep doing the same stupid things? Um, and then, hello, Bueller. Um, you're trying it on your own. If you'd like to be transformed, there's, there's some things I have for you, Tim. It's called my Holy Spirit and my Word. And we'll start there. God is doing it. Romans 8, 28 and through 30, Paul says, look, this is the progression, you know, that, that God first foreknew you, then predestined you, then called you, then justified you, then glorified you. Is there anything in there that sounds like you? No, but God. 
And then Titus 3.5, because, not because of righteous acts we've done, but by according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal by his Holy Spirit. Okay, once again, does that look like you? No. It didn't say by your own effort. And, and he told Nicodemus when he spoke with Jesus, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. In the same way that you were not involved with your first birth, you are not involved in the second one either. So my point here is that this is God. This is God working in your life, and he has to do it, but he uses men using the power of God's word to do it. Okay, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture. This is what Scripture is telling us about itself. Um, Paul is saying, I use these words, but they weren't my words. They were words given to me by God, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He is trying to tell us that the, it was the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, giving him the words to do the transforming things that happened in the church at Thessalonica. That's 2 Peter 2, 20 and 21. And then 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So this goes to not just the speaker who's involved, but the listener. And so you too have a responsibility, not just those who are preaching, not just those who are teaching, but you yourself have an obligation, if you want to be transformed, to spend time in the Word of God on your own so that you can do your best to be one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle the Word of truth. Now, another plug for contenders. You know, one of the things that we do here at Machias is we have been given these wonderful tools to help equip you to understand what Scripture means, what it says, and how it applies to your life so that you can mine Scripture for all that's worth on your own. Lots of tools, but you need to be spending time if you want to be transformed. How many of you would like to be transformed? Everybody should raise their hand. After you've been saved, there's nothing else that really matters. If you want to be transformed, mind the Word of God for all it's worth because God will use it to change you. Because it's not just words of men. It is the very heart and soul of God that He's giving to us through His Word. So we have to have the Word of God. And it was divinely inspired, it says, and it was perfect. And then it has to have people transmitting it to one another. And, and, and God said at, at first, before it was written down, we, we were passing these things on from generation to generation orally. There were messages that were delivered by people, the prophets, words directly from God, but it came in words through men directed by God. Because no prophet ever had made it up on his own, but how he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, so first we had the Word, and we have people delivering the Word, you of which can be one. You can deliver the Word of God to someone that you work with. Thank you. You can deliver the Word of God to someone in your family that doesn't know it. You can be one of those people that God uses to 
transmit the word that has the power to change people. It isn't just me. It isn't just the elders. It isn't just the teachers. It isn't just the Awana or the Kids Jam people. It is you. You can take the word of God and be an instrument for transforming other people's lives by the power of God's Holy Spirit through his word. But you have to be able to rightly handle the word of truth. And so in order to be one of the people involved in this process, you have to study. You have to, you have to grow in God's word. You have to spend some time in it. You have to meditate on it. You have to pray over it. You have to get down deep and see what it really says. In order to do that, it requires some work on your part. And then finally, it has to be received and believed. And so we also thank God constantly that when you received, and that received word is parlambano, which means not just to take, not just, okay, I'm going to sit out here in the audience and I'm going to hear the word, thank you, I heard it, good enough. No, it means to become intimately involved and, and intimately known. And so not only did those people in Thessalonica, when Paul gave them these words that he got from God, not only did they just receive it, okay, I I didn't walk away, I stood there and waited until he was over. No, I actually heard it, and then I intimately wanted to know everything about it. So he's thanking God that when he spoke the words of God to these people, they received it, which you heard from us, but not only did you receive it, but you accepted it. And that word is dekaomahi, which means they took it and they embraced it and they believed it. That, my friends, is a miracle. How do I know that that is true? Because this is what, oops, did I miss one again? Yes, because this is what the Bible says. Okay, so any of you... who have patted yourself on the back about what a wonderful and great person I was because when the gospel message came along, I accepted it. What a good guy am I. Um, This is for you. The natural person, which would have been you before you were saved, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or foolishness, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the only way that you understood the message of the gospel that that, that took you from being an object of God's wrath over here to being a child of God was because God first came and opened your eyes, changed your heart, and allowed you to receive the message in your heart. You might have heard it before that, and there's a lot of things that happen in people's lives before, and there's lots of steps that they go through. But until the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and your ears and your heart, You aren't going to accept it. You aren't going to believe it. You aren't going to receive it. And so Paul knows that, that in this process, it's God's stamp on it every single step of the way. Every single one. He's thanking God because he recognizes you used me, this leaky, broken vessel, to speak your words that changed the lives of people in such a way that everybody around them knew it, even when it was hard, even when they were being killed and beaten and thrown out of town. But God... God is in charge of every step of your salvation and your sanctification. 
but he uses his word. And the only way you could have known it, believed it, accepted it, understood it, and have it change you was because God's Holy Spirit went ahead of him. They received and believed it. Thank God for miracles. That's what it was. And then it says here, you accepted these words, not as words of men, but what they really are, the words of God. And that word is logos. And we see that word applied to Jesus. So they accepted these words that Paul was saying because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Christ came to save sinners. And the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. And that word of God became flesh and died for your sins. And that was the word that Paul was sharing. Not just any words, but the word of God. And not just the word of God, but the way of salvation, the way of transformation. And they understood it as what it really was. And that is a miracle. We have people that stand up in pulpits or stand on podiums and try to tell us things, thinking they're speaking for God, but now we have this thing called the Bible that we can use to compare and say, that doesn't fly. And when, when they try to tell me that, that this is, oh, we know better now about gender and identity and sexuality, the Bible is, just really didn't get that right. And I can go to the Word of God and open it up and say, no, God has spoken about that. And here's what He said. And it's true. The very words of God. Now, they didn't have a written down Bible. We do. And we know that the things in that Bible are God's word given to us as a gift to tell us who he is, tell us what he wants, tell us what he doesn't want, and change our lives. That's part of the process. We have to look at this as God's word. And then what? Then what? Okay. I know it. Okay, I read it. Okay, I understand it. Okay. Ah. No, that's right. Which is at work in you. The Word of God is at work in you, causing unbelievers to become believers and causing believers to be more like Jesus. The Word of God, if you take it in, is life-changing for everyone whom God is working in. If you have an issue, if you have some part of your life that's a problem, the answer is in the Word of God. But it has to be taken in. And, it, and then you have to submit to the truth of God's Word to change you in an area in which at some point you are still holding on to. I'm holding on to some. I'm not telling you what they are. And I pray, God, take this from me. I want to be more like Jesus because that's where joy is. That's where peace is in this life. 
That's where satisfaction lives now. In the next one, I'm going to be totally fixed. And I'm ready. I am ready. But right now, God is, God's got some work for me to do. God's got some work for you to do. And in order to do it the best way possible in God's way is you have to be transformed. And the way to do that is spending time in God's Word. Because it's life-changing. But you have, to, you have to receive it. You have to believe it. And that's a gift from God. But then you have to understand that it's working in you. And quit kicking against it. You have to surrender. I have to surrender to the life-changing power of God's Word. And in faith, so this is going to be a couple things that you got to do. God's given you some faith. You have to exercise it. You have to submit. The power of the flesh is strong. And we want to hold on to it. And we want to be God of our own life. That fleshly part of us is still in there. And we're battling against it. And you just have to give up. Quit fighting. Quit thinking you can do it both ways. Quit thinking I can hold this part of my life back from God and still be okay on the other part with God. No, it isn't going to work. In order for you to be transformed, you have to surrender. That is the work that is going on inside you as a believer. It made you a believer, and now it's making you more like Christ. In order to be transformed by God's word, first it has to be perfect, and it is. Never compromise. You have to accept that first statement of faith to be true because it is, that it is infallible, that it is inspired, and it is authoritative. All three of those are very important because we, we can say it's perfect, but then when we say, but that doesn't apply to me, it is not the final authority for all faith and practice. It is part of what I look at when I'm going to decide what's right and wrong, but I'm also going to look at culture. I'm also going to be affected by the things that are around me. I'm also going to kind of consider some other things. No. It's the final authority. There is no question. I, I, I see these debates going on, supposedly in Christianity, when they are accepting different lifestyles and different things. And I just say one thing. Do you believe the Word of God or not? It's as simple as that. Because you're making changes and you think you can get away with that? Okay, I get it if you don't understand the Word of God yet or if it doesn't make sense to you yet. But... It, but to say I'm a Christian and I'm a student of God's Word and I'm teaching at a seminary and I'm telling my students, no, this is not the authoritative inerrant Word of God. We have some other information now. We cannot, we cannot compromise the Word of God. In order for it to change, you have to read it. Pray over it, meditate on it, dig into it, Receive it and believe it. And then you have to submit to it. And those are as hearers, but as tellers, you want to see lives transformed by the power of God's word, share it with others. You're a hearer, but you're also a teller. Be equipped and ready to share the hope that you have with others. Let's pray. Father, this, uh, this, is a, this, is such, <laughs> this is such a powerful passage, uh, and, and I didn't even get all the way through. But Lord, um, have it change us, please. 
Help us to submit to it so that we can be changed for your glory, but our good to be more like Jesus. And then these broken, sinful, weak, unfaithful, unreliable people can look at awe at how God is working in us and through us to make us into something pleasing to you. And for that, we give you all the praise, all the glory. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.